What's up and welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope this, hope we all had a great holidays as uh, the Pelicans sure did as they came back from a road trip uh, winning three of their four games. And joining me in studio today for our podcast discussion is Jim Eikenoff for Pelicans.com and Andrew Lopez who covers the Pelicans for ESPN and ESPN.com. Hello guys, happy holidays. Glad we all survived the road trip. I I didn't know today was Friday until you just said it. Like I'm not, I, don't, yeah. I completely forgot my days of the week right now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, uh, it's my, okay. I did too. I was I was very positive today was Saturday <laughs> when I. It feels like a here. Saturday a little bit. Not only that, but it felt like we were gone for about three weeks. When someone said someone brought up the Brooklyn game earlier, the the last home game, and I was like, it felt like that was two or three weeks ago. It's crazy that that was only last Tuesday. You know why it felt like three weeks to me? When I did my laundry off the end of that yeah. trip last night, that for sure that felt like three weeks. That was the first thing I did when I get home. It's like you have to when you're gone for almost two weeks. I mean, you need to do some laundry. And I remember when we got to Portland. This was just the third game of the trip. Um, the person at the front desk was like, "Where are you coming from?" And I had to stop. I looked at Will McLaren in PR, and he had to tell me we came from San Francisco. San Francisco. I had no idea. Like you just lose. I always have to keep my hotel room number on my phone just because I mix them up. It's, I think Josh Hart tweeted about that on the trip that he went to the wrong hotel yeah. room. I think I think it was in San Francisco. Like it was, that was the start of the trip. He went to the wrong room in San Francisco. I think. Because he's like, man, these road games just kind of run together. Because it happened to me last year where I was actually joking with a couple people. I go, you know what? Sometimes I just forget where I am. And literally when I went up the stairs, I had no idea where I was going. So I had to go back down and ask them what room I was in. And so it's, it's amazing the different things. You get readjusted when you get back home. Like even driving a car, you used to getting on a bus and all that <laughs> stuff. I was like, this is so weird right now. So anyways, um, let's talk about this road trip a little bit, guys. It was a very successful one for the Pelicans. Could have been 4-0. You'll still obviously take three and one after an impressive victory over the Nuggets on Christmas night for you guys. And we'll start with you, Andrew. Kind of what stuck out to you on this road trip, whether it's one side of the ball or just something that maybe a game that was kind of a game changer for you. What stuck out to you? I, I, I'm going to say the Denver game in, in itself. Obviously, they, they've had a, a good stretch of defensive games, uh, top tops in the league the last five games in defensive rating. But it was that Denver game. You You looked at the beginning of this year. When you looked at this schedule, and you're like, okay, yeah, they got the Christmas game. But the Christmas game was coming on the, the end of an eight-day road trip. It started on a back-to-back. You're playing in the high altitude. You're playing a mile high up. That had, that had the, the formula to be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you're at full strength. Even if you have your, your whole team playing. And the fact that they were able to handle the Nuggets the way they did. Uh, Malone, after the game, talked about the Pelicans, just outworked them. Uh, for that to come on the end of a an eight-day trip like that, where you guys didn't have the best flights in the world, you had some, some rocky travel, they had every reason to to really give up on that trip. And then they come away 3-1 and, and and kind of ended with an exclamation point there in Denver. Yeah, I think for me that was that was impressive. I thought in the fourth quarter where there were a couple times where Denver got it down its deficit down to 4 or 6 that the Pelicans responded every time. It seemed like that kind of fortitude was not something that showed up that much earlier in the season and now all of a sudden there's a lot more toughness I think mentally right now. Yeah, I think there was a you mentioned the they had the resolve to kind of fight through mm-hmm. that. I think it was Drew who said it maybe earlier this month. You know, when we get punched in the face Sometimes we we don't punch back, right? And I think that was the difference on this trip. Is mm-hmm. 
outside of the end of that Golden State game, you probably want those that last two minutes back. For the most part, when they got punched on this road trip, they punched back. Yeah. And they had that fight that you didn't see earlier, early, even earlier this month, uh, especially on that on that you know twelve thirteen game losing streak. And I think overall, if if you look at the trip in in the entire scope, to me, one of the things that stands out a lot is the margin for error seems to be increasing because they're playing defense so much better. Um, they had games on the road trip where they committed a lot of turnovers. The game against Denver, I think they ended up with 18, something like that. Yeah, 13 in the first half. Yeah, and they had um, – so to me, the fact that you they, – they shot really well on threes. From all three games they won, they shot threes well, so that helped obviously. But overall, offensively, I didn't think they played great across the in, entire trip, and they still were able to win three of the four games, and they were able to be in – Obviously, all the games they had a chance to win the Golden State game. It seemed like earlier in the season, the level that they had to play at offensively to even stay in a lot of these games, especially on the road, was so high. So that's one thing that I think is really encouraging to me is that if you can continue to play defense this way, that you're going to get a lot more wins and you're not going to have some of the occurrences that happened earlier where you were just you were losing games by 20 points and you just couldn't keep up on the scoreboard. I think that Portland game, I think it was only they only scored like what seven or eight points in the final seven right. minutes mm-hmm. then that was one of those deep offensive stretches that for for a lot of this season that was that was going to be that was going to do them in that mm-hmm. was going to that mm-hmm. was going to end up in a loss but the the way they played defense Lloyd Portland was missing an incredible amount of three-pointers sure. in that game and Dame goes 0 for 10 for mm-hmm. three for the first time in his career um the way they played defensively I look to Jim's point is is widening that art that margin of error to where they can, okay, they'll stumble a little bit on offense. But, I mean, before you needed 115 to win games. Mm-hmm. Now you don't. So the million-dollar question, and everyone has asked this throughout the entire road trip, and it trickled into today after practice, is what defensively has changed for this team during this five-game stretch where they are number one, whether it's, you know, half of the defense is just effort. And, you know, a lot of people will say that, you know, whether it was schematically they changed things up, whether it's players – a little more aggressive Jim uh, when you heard some of the coaches and the players talk about it and just from you watching all these games what has changed on the defensive side of the ball it sounds it sounds like it's a combination of things but without Alvin Gentry kind of giving too many details obviously they don't want to get too much into strategy when they're speaking to the media it sounds like they simplified some things defensively and I think part of the result of that is you're seeing more aggressiveness. I think when you don't have to hesitate, maybe you don't have to think as much defensively and you can react quicker, You're going. that's going to happen. It seems like um, the play, the guard play on defense has been better lately. Lonzo Ball has been pretty disruptive at the defensive end. He's been getting a lot more steals. It seems like he did that on the road trip. Um, so I think, I think that's, it sounds like that's really the, the biggest change other than the obvious of Derek favors, which we've all talked about and written about a lot over the last week or so, just that it just seems like overall that they're, they've kind of simplified things. Let's go to Derek favors though, Andrew, because yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've all been talking about Derek favors and um, how well he's played since he's come back and now him playing a lot more minutes when he came back, he was limited in how much he can play. But now that he's back and basically playing the amount of minutes that he was going to be playing, it seems like it's made a world of difference for this yeah, team. Yeah, this is this is what they thought this team would be. You got to go back to remember where, where Griff kind of talked about. He he kind of joked a little bit in the the season opening press conference where he was like, "I think it's first to ninety wins," and that's the kind of games you're seeing right now. The 
the defense is up. The defensive rating, like we said, number one in, in the league the last five games. Uh, the offense is down. The pace is down. But you're you're having better results. And I think some of that is you, you have tweaked schemes. He mentioned that. he would, Obviously, he's not going to tell uh, the, the media exactly what they are doing. But there was a tweak there. And But I think a, a healthy Derek Favors makes a world of difference. You look at, in Derek Favors, four highest minute total games this year. Pelicans are 4-0. Um, if he plays at least 29, they're four and one. I think you can go down to 28. I think it's five and two. When he plays, things are different because what you have to do is he can anchor your defense. Obviously, he played next to Rudy Gobert for, for so long. He played five when Rudy was out. The guy knows defense. And now that he is healthy, because you got to remember, before before his mom passed away, he was still dealing with a back injury. He, he had a, a small stretch of games where he had the 20-20 game. Mm-hmm. And but at the beginning of the season he was sore, missed some time, came back, missed some time. So now that he's healthy and you're playing that role, it also allows you to play Jackson Hayes the minutes you wanted to play Jackson Hayes, and it allows you to to mix in Jaleel Okafor when you when you want. Um, and I think the biggest thing is he is he's smart. He can start to call out a lot of what we were hearing on that losing streak was communication was the issue, mm-hmm. whether it was guards, whether it's a lot of times your communication is going to start with your big. Uh, and, and when you have 19-year-old Jackson Hayes back there playing 30, 35 minutes a night, the communication level is not going to be where, where you want it to be. And I think Fave has kind of helped in that area. Uh, but not to take away anything. I think, you, to Jim's point again, Lonzo has played, I think, some of his best basketball of the season. Whether he was coming off the bench or whether he was starting in, in the last two or three weeks, especially on the defensive end, you saw it in that Golden State game, he was getting back to being – the guy who Gentry was so excited about, about having a Drew, Drew, uh, a Drew Lonzo backcourt. Uh, there was like three times, I think, in the Warriors game where he just ripped somebody. Like, he just was like, I want the ball. I'm going to take the ball. Yep. Uh, he had a, a, like a, a back steal on somebody. He, he was doing so much that I think when he's playing that way, and I think I've seen in the last four or five games, his net rating, offensive rating, defensive rating, I think it's like a plus 14. I forgot where I saw it at right. on Twitter. But – when he's playing that way and when Derek Favors is playing that way, it allows the, the other guys to kind of feel more comfortable. Uh, and to, to what Drew was saying today, the, the guys just like each other. I mean, they do. And they're starting to play for each other. And you're kind of seeing that play out on the court, I think. When you're looking at, is this team turning a corner? Did you see enough on this trip to say, I feel like this is the kind of point that we're going to look back at the end of the season and go, this is where maybe things went in the right direction? Or is it too early to say that because now you want to see it carry over into two really tough home games against the Pacers and the Rockets? How do you judge that, whether it's, well, maybe this is it, or maybe we need to see a little bit more? I think it could be the turning point, but I think obviously they have to continue to play well. The schedule coming up is not easy at all. The next three games are all against teams that are well above 500 and among the best teams in the league. So um, I think it was a good first step, but I'm definitely not ready to say that was definitely the turning point. But, I mean, there's a lot to build on. And to what Andrew was just talking about, um, I think I totally agree that the guys get along really well, but now you're seeing the positive results and that – that may, hopefully that they'll be able to – it'll be a snowball effect and they'll be able to keep doing that. You saw it today. I, I, we were talking about it right before we came on. It seemed like today's practice was – it had a different vibe to it. It had a little bit more energy in 
in the practice facility, whether it was the four guys playing four on four. Now, granted, no, just for, for listeners' purposes, media, we don't get to see the, the uh, much of practice. When we get mm-hmm. in to see practice, we see guys shooting, doing shooting drills or playing shooting games. Sometimes it's getting a little work done. So they'd already had a an hour-long workout session before we get in of actual practice. But when we got in there, the energy coming off that four-on-four game was tremendous. I think I saw Lonzo smile and talk more than I have seen him all year as he beat Brandon Ingram in around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was he was he was talking to Bi the whole time, giving him stuff for for missing shots. On the other side of the court, Drew and JJ had a a nice long talk with Jamel. Going over the, it, it just seemed like the energy in that in in the practice facility was higher today. And I think I don't know if this becomes a turning point for the the season, but this is definitely a turning point to where I think you circle this one. You see what happens next. Um, some of it may have to do with there's a certain someone who's potentially coming back in the near future uh, who has been around the team more, been at practices. So I think you can kind of feel, I think, energy's just starting to pick up a little bit. And, you know, maybe being going 3-1 on this road trip is, is something you do circle at the end of the year. I'm glad you brought up that certain person. I feel like it's kind of like Beetlejuice. <laughs> maybe if we say it enough, it'll you know he'll eventually return. But I do want to talk about a headline yesterday that I think was taken in a different direction to what it should have been. And that was yeah. obviously the headline, the story about Zion learning to relearn how to walk and run. And since you were a part of that story with George Sedano of ESPN, Andrew, I kind of want you to go more in depth about what that actually means yeah. and not <laughs> him actually learning how to walk and run. Like someone else would have to learn how to rewalk. And run. so <clears throat> I think anybody who has had some sort of injury, uh, whether it be an athletic injury or you, you, you tore your knee, you did anything. When you go to physical therapy, they, they teach you how to, walk differently, run differently. I had, uh, I remember when I was 18 or 19, I had back issues, really bad back issues. um, And I had to go to physical therapy to learn how to not put as much stress on myself. Mm -hmm. And when you say run and walk differently, which is, I think what what George said in in his piece, what I initially said in the story before we we tweaked it yesterday, we we weren't saying that he completely has, it's, it's not a toddler. He, it's not like a, it's not like a patient who has been in a, in a terrible accident and has to actually physically reprogram their legs how to walk. It's just learning how to take the stress off of certain areas. It's it's tweaks in his mechanics in his kinetic chain, and and I think that's the part that I think people just like to kind of grab it and say, oh, he's 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 relearning. No, it's not. It was sensationalized a yeah, lot a, more. And when. It, when you say differently, that that was to my point yesterday when I sent yeah. out that clarification tweet. Is it different? Yeah, it, it is different, but it's not completely relearning. And I know we send out a message on our channels uh, for ESPN. Don't use the word relearn. It, it, it's, it's a different beast, I think. And it's not, you know, he's not, it's not a relearning. Right. It, it's, it's certain tweaks to his, to his body. It's just like how the Pelicans... Are training or, or training Lonzo Ball to, to shoot the ball differently. You're you're teaching your body's mechanics to do a little bit differently, just so you don't have that amount of stress. And initially, it seemed like, from my point of view, that 
a lot of Pelts fans understood that. They they like yo, you know, Steph did the same thing with his ankles uh, in Golden State. They had to learn how to take stress off of him. Or hey, I I had surgery once, and yeah, they had to teach me how to not put as much pressure on my knee or my whatever it was. So I do think that most people understood, but when the the relearning part kind of got out there, right. it kind of threw everybody for a loop. So it everything is fine. Everything is still on track. He is just trying to refine some of his mechanics. Um, he's a unique specimen. He's 6'6", 285. Nobody has been that size and jumped the way he does. Nobody has been that size and moves around the rim the way he does. Uh, in order to make sure he has a long career, little things about him will have to to change, and I think that's that's what this is more about than than anything else. I think everyone who is in writing has had the experience, and I'm sure you could talk about this more. Of when pieces of t- are taken out of an article, it loses the you lose a lot of the context. I think. For one thing that happens to me is that this is kind of a random background story. The there's an email that's sent out that has all of the clips of all the articles about the Pelicans every day, and some of mine articles are in there. And sometimes this is no no one's fault, but the first paragraph might be me talking about something negative, and then it segues into right. like, well, this has happened, but now this is happening. But when the top clip is shown across there, that's all that everyone sees. It concerns me a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it's like this isn't really a good representation of the overall of what I wrote. So it's just funny that I think that happens sometimes. And I feel like more and more as writers, I feel this way. You might feel the same way. I'm getting to the point where I feel like I have to, I have to cover every single aspect of every single part of an article, because you know that even if you, as you said, you felt like 95, 99% of people understood. Most people understood it because of social media though. There's always like if 2% of the people turn the article in a different direction. And it's funny how often that pops into my head now of me thinking like, okay, well, what if people only see this part of the article? Or what if people only see the lead, the first paragraph? So the, the, the main thing I think today is because of social media, the, almost the first thing you want to say to people is, oh, well you, you wrote a terrible article and uh, that's, that's a terrible headline. And I was like, okay, did you, did you read it? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, no. Okay, then I don't want to talk to you. Right. Sure. Go read the article first. Sure. There was a it was a different it was out, outside of the Zion stuff. There was another person I saw who there was a a a magazine put out an article this weekend that was very controversial and a lot of people were just condemning the article right away, but nobody actually read the article where it gives mm-hmm. a lot of facts about a certain topic. And I saw some people who were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't actually read the article. I was just going off of the headline. The headline is, is, is made to bring you into, into the, the story. Sure. Yeah. That's why we make the headline. Mm-hmm. It is made to bring you into the story so you click the link and read, read. the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Read the story. So that's why I felt like a lot of people didn't they, – they saw just one quote or they heard, sure. oh, man, you heard Zion's got to relearn how to walk? No. Like he's – it's different. So – um, what I was doing yesterday was just trying to go out and, uh, and I even talked to George yeah. about this. He's like, I didn't think that people thought he meant right. physically relearning like yep. he's a baby, but so, it, you know, just read the article. That's, that's sure. If you're listening to this, please just read the article next time. Then I'll debate with you about whatever you want. As long as you're reading, you know, one other quick thing I'll say too, 
I wrote a big feature in the summer about the new training staff and about Aaron Nelson. And I don't know this 100% factually, but um, I think that the stuff that Zion said about relearning how to walk, I think it's important for people to realize, fans to realize that he he might have said that exact same thing even without any of the knee issues, any of the knee surgery, any yep. anything physically. That may have been something that the the training staff was going to do with him regardless because of certain issues with his gait. And I remember that that was one thing that Aaron Nelson talked about a lot this summer when I spoke to him for the first time was that that's a huge element of what they do is t- going back to the basics and looking at how someone walks. And that's actually not not specifically with Zion, but just basketball overall. They're seeing more people that have fundamental issues with they're not running properly, they're not walking properly. So um, I think that's important to, to realize is that they may have done that anyways, even it's, right. it's not directly, it's not necessarily directly tied to the it just kind of, injury. They were just kind of allowed to do it while the injury was happening. It kind of helped to get it. And this kind of goes back to what, and I know a lot of fans when Aaron Nelson was brought in, it was like, Oh, there's the best training staff in the NBA in Phoenix for so long. They were so innovative. Mm-hmm. Part of their innovation is what they're doing right now. Sure. Part of their innovation was fixing fundamental issues. Mm-hmm. And I think the other part is, because it was hard to 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 see through that when, you know, PR had to send out like a notes app, to, yeah. to catch all of the injuries. Not enough characters. Yeah, yeah. it was you couldn't just <laughs> yeah. do it on Twitter. You had to put it in the notes app. To, right. You had eight guys on the injured list or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, a lot of what they do is, some of it is preventative, but a lot of it is on the recovery end. So, a guy that should be out six weeks with an injury may only miss a week. Or two weeks or and a lot of guys train differently i mean you you go go back and look at that drew injury from what was the second game of the season when he rolled his ankle mm-hmm. i i just knew drew was out four to six weeks yeah but because because of the work that he puts in in the off season with his trainers and the work that is is done here he was able to come out and only miss two games and probably if it was a playoff situation, wouldn't have missed any games. Mm-hmm. You know, right. that's credit to Mike G and his guys with with Drew. Mm-hmm. But part of what Aaron Nelson does on this side is it, it's it's making sure that guys when they when they're hurt, okay, you hurt your knee, but before I let you get back on the court, we're going to strengthen your ankle because you've been favoring that ankle the last mm-hmm. week walking around. So now we're going to fix a potential injury in the future. And I think that's where a lot of what, what they're doing is coming into play is, you know, if Zion's going to tear a meniscus, it's going to happen. It, it, sometimes it just happens. Darius is going to ha- have his Achilles injury. It's, it's just going to happen. It's how you recover from that, and I think that's the difference in this training staff in particular uh, because one of the big things I heard was, uh, you know, that was, that was another thing of people uh, on Twitter. I was like, oh, they did such a great job with AD and Boogie and all these guys and they're going back to I was like, it's a new training staff. Like mm-hmm. again, let's let's read some things and be right. and be aware of what's going on. They are doing things differently to shorten those those games missed for the most part for for other guys. Um and, and protecting the guys going into the future. And that's why I brought it up, just because there are casual fans that sometimes will just see a headline. And it could be from a national writer or from something they watch on TV. It was brought up on Inside the NBA before I was watching Mavericks and, and Spurs last night. And for those that haven't read the article yet or even seen your tweet about the clarification, I just don't want 
the casual fan or even the Pelicans fan that has not seen it yet to just take off and run with something that some people have no knowledge of anyways without because I think a lot of times you see with national media attention is some of them will not even read it and see the headline and just go with something and so I think it was important um, just to kind of have some clarification on that That way it doesn't get out of hand where everyone's looking at that situation and going you know and I think a lot of a lot of us have done it we've all kind of read articles and just seen headlines and not going into stories and I think Mm -hmm. in the past year or two I've, I've definitely made it a point to like that's a what? All right, let me read this and see what is actually happening yeah. uh, going on. And when we sent the clarification out, there were some people who were like, oh, well, it still means he's relearning. Like, Call it whatever you want. For most of the population, if we say relearning, they, they're thinking something completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still think it is, it's relearning in a it's, – it's a reprogramming yeah. of how you do certain things. It's not like starting from step one. And I thought there was a couple of doctors, I think, that commented on that post of – Thank you for the clarification of what they mean and how they're doing right. it. Yeah. And um, just wanted to make sure everyone was on the yeah. same page as far as, you know, I think we're also was. we're also all guilty of I know I do this. I'm kind of some semi jokingly jokingly saying this, but if the headline is what I want it to be, I'm going to go with that. And yeah. I don't want to if it's in, if it's in favor of something that I believe, then I'll just stick with the headline. And I don't want to it's like, don't let the facts get in the way of a, a good story, of a good yeah. story. <laughs> and I think the use of the word mechanics was also a good way to describe it as far as his mechanical work, as far as getting back to, you know. Yeah. And the whole the, it, working on the kinetic chain of his body. Yeah. That's why in the in the original article, I think I, the way I phrased it was he's learning to run and walk differently. Fake or working on the kinetic chain of his body, so I had it in there. Of this is a kinetic issue, this is a mechanical issue, and I just think some people kind of like, Oh, he's running and walking differently, they're reteaching him. And I'm like, No, no. So we went in the story. If you if you read it for the first uh 12 hours or so, um, it, it had that phrasing, and then we tweaked it to he is tweaking it how the way he walks and runs in order to um have long-term fixes good deal well i'm glad we had you on andrew and jim as always it just it felt like it was a good time just more talk about the road trip andrew was on it um the entire way so i just wanted to you know kind of talk to him about what stuck out to him you know uh, of course, piazza, piazza italia stuck out to me yeah that's what stuck out to for me. people that don't know it's our go-to place shout out to them if you're portland. ever if you're ever in portland uh it's this place piazza italia it's amazing it's a very small place uh best lasagna i've ever had in my life um, I'll take credit for that because I started getting the Daniel, lasagna yeah, Daniel, and I've spread Daniel, the love. Yeah, Daniel and I, we don't even look at the menu when we walk in. Uh, <laughs> other guys, they'll go, oh, I had this once. Or they'll look yeah. at this. Somebody uh, in our party on uh, Friday night, I think, or Thursday, somebody ordered two separate entrees. Two guys ordered mm-hmm. two separate entrees and then had a lasagna to split. Yeah. That's the way to go, but best best part of the road trip. See, I almost forgot about the games. I was just kind of going for, for See Portland. how I know your days are off? It was Sunday night. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was even See, Thursday I don't know Friday. what days at all. I just remember it was before a game. Yeah, I think I was, I was doing San Francisco in my head. I was I like, was, oh, yeah. I was thinking, man, you were there on Thursday. We were the game when Golden State I, was Friday. I, I, <laughs> we really like that place if you're there when it's you're not even there for the trip. I think it was trip. a Sunday. It was a Thursday last time, I believe. Yeah. That's I, what I'm gonna I stick made with these reservations head. far in advance. That's Two how weeks I knew. I was like, we're going, right? Good. Let's do it. So yeah, and, and of course, most of the time it's mostly Pelicans employees and staff that are think, taking up I, half I, that restaurant. I think uh, there were like thirty patrons in there when we got there, and sixteen of them were affiliated with the Pelicans right. in some way, shape, or form. Whether whether it was media covering them or actual team employees or coaches. While I have you here, that means on February, where are we at here? February tenth. Oh, 
February 10th. I may, may as well just make the reservation now. We play Portland again on February 11th, so it's the game after the All-Star break. The first uh, one. Oh, that's the one here. No, no, no. You need to – it's the, it's the 21st. It's like 20, yeah, the, I was going to say. Wow, the 21st. I'm wrong. Okay. The, yeah. Yeah. It's the first well, game. I'm glad I didn't call in. <laughs> yeah. We can make 20th. reservations for February, February 20th yeah. right now. I'll just do it for a party of 30, and we'll just take over the whole restaurant. <laughs> it works for me. Guys, I really appreciate it, and let's get a couple wins this weekend. That'll be great. Two tough teams. See how it it's, goes. This is going to be really two tough games, and uh, – we could we could be looking at history tomorrow night when the Holiday Bros. The Holiday Bros. The Antetokounmpo Bros. had they were three up in a game in NBA history. No, there's never been three brothers to play in the same game because of the way how Justin and Aaron are playing right now. There's a possibility we see all three on the court at the same time tomorrow. So. Good chance that uh, history could be made in the Smoothie King Center. Yeah, I wrote about that today, and I I think I used the phrase believed to be because I couldn't definitively say that there had never been three guys that had played in the same game because there have been three brothers all in the NBA at the same time, but probably never yeah. the case where two of them were on yeah, one like team. The, the, the Bucks right now have two Antetokounmpo's. Mm-hmm. The Lakers and two have, Lopez's. Yeah, two yeah. Lopez's. Uh, and the Lakers had one, so they were all three there. They had the, you know, the triple jersey okay. swap for that game. But mm. um, this will be – this is – ESPN stats and info. This is the best thing about having. I know you go to that. So I much. go to those. Great, I go to those guys so much because it saves so much time and researching on my side. Uh, but I ask them never have have three brothers played in the same game, let alone been on the, on the court at the same mm. time. So good chance that we see history tomorrow night. And also the rare part about this weekend is all three teams involved for the Pelicans, the Pacers, the Rockets, and the Pelicans are all part of a back-to-back. So the Pacers are playing tonight in Miami. The Rockets are playing on Saturday in Houston and will play the Pelicans on Sunday. So all three are involved in the back-to-back. So it will make for an interesting couple weeks as far as rest advantage and traveling. The good thing is the Pelicans stay home for those two, but you just never know what can happen in in those kind of situations. And and NBA teams love – the, the home games between Christmas and New Year's because you know that the crowd is going to be great. There's no school. A lot of people are off from work. So um, I'm looking forward to that. It's the only home home back-to-back of the Pelicans' entire season. So um, looking forward to uh, seeing some. If anybody's looking forward to a certain college football playoff game tomorrow, mm. uh, you can watch that on Watch ESPN on your phone. And still go- <laughs> still Excellent show. plug right there. Is your boss listening? Uh you would be very proud right now. If they are, okay, help me out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you can watch that game in the rating time, 6 o'clock tomorrow. So what's different about this because of the NBA rules as far as back-to-back goes, tomorrow night's game is at 6 o'clock. But Sunday night's game, which has not happened before, I think since the team moved here, is 7 o'clock Sunday night game just because it need, both teams, the Pelicans and the Rockets, will need that 24 hours um, to kind of get some rest. Remember and last year they had some of those bad 7 7- Six games or seven, seven five, yeah. six. Yeah. It was like a twenty-three hour difference. I'm like, yeah. those are, those are weird. I don't think I, don't, I saw many of those on the schedule, but yeah, well, six o'clock start. Well, I find that's weird though. Is the Pacers play at seven central tonight in Miami, which is eight, and then they play at six. So I think it's now you can do twenty-three hours. I think, but I think at twenty-two and a half is where they say no. Those thirty minutes obviously are a big difference, but it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, you know, the Pacers come in, and they have a big game in Miami. I mean, that's a team that's that, a really big game for them. Yeah. It's going to be a really big game, and it's going to be a really good chance for the Pelicans to catch them on the back of a the back-to-back of a very, very tough game because, you know, that's going to be one that, that could come down to seeding in, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. That could be a game that we're looking at. 
down the line of oh like you know when you when you, when you come into tiebreakers i know jim's a big tiebreaker guy <laughs> uh when it comes down to tiebreakers that could be a very big game so uh pels do have a chance to kind of catch them you know in, in, a, in a tough spot right. a little housekeeping before we go as far as next week in the pelicans podcast plan we're gonna do things a little differently obviously with ringing in the new year in a new decade jim and i are going to look back at the past decade in the history of pelicans and hornets basketball It'll be a two-part special so monday december 30th and tuesday december 31st we'll have two podcasts for you kind of breaking in half as far as some important moments in the history of this franchise in the last 10 years and then we'll not have a show on new year's eve or january 2nd but we will have a show on January 3rd. Also be on the lookout. You know, we've had some former Pelicans and Hornets players on our podcast. We're looking to get Bobby Jackson next week. As uh, Ooh, I remember those Bobby Jackson days. As he'll make an appearance on potentially Fox Sports New Orleans in Sacramento next weekend. And so we try to have those guests line up with that. And so we might get some a little bit of Bobby Jackson on this show next week. So we should have a full, full plate of stuff for you. And, of course, the game tomorrow, 6 o'clock. Game Sunday at 7. You can watch both on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. And, of course, this podcast is provided by SeatGeek. As you're trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. If our listeners... Um, are listening right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase in the SeatGeek app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, all capitalized at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. Andrew, I appreciate it as always, my friend. I wish I would have known about that SeatGeek thing before I bought tickets to that last Saints home game. Well, maybe just reset, do a new password and a new username and go at it. Or might, just tell your friends. I might have to do that. And let them buy the tickets for you. I did I did use SeatGeek. I just wanted the $20 off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're listening to the Caroline Saints podcast, you also would have had that deal I'm, with Go Saints. So I, I didn't. Yeah. This is my So fault. we can talk about this, the listening part. We see a headline. Maybe now people will see the headline of Andrew Lopez is on. They'll click on it and listen to the podcast. And they have playoff games coming up, too. So Absolutely. I'll just have to start listening to everyone so I can get all the deals possible. That'd be great. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you on. We'll talk to you this weekend as far as Pelicans Pacers and Pelicans Rockets is concerned. But we'll also talk to you on Monday um, with our look back at the last decade. For Andrew and Jim, I'm Daniel. Enjoy the weekend and go Pels.